you've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. Let's go. All right. Good day, everyone. Another episode of College Volleyball Weekly, week seven review and a week eight, re- uh, actually, preview coming up. As always, Theo Edwards of uh, Cal State Northridge. We're trying to debate on the name San Fernando State or Nordoff State, but some <laughs> cool stuff down there. Jay Hosick of DC University or George Mason. You got Brad Rostrader of the University of Mexico, Northern Tijuana or UC San Diego. <laughs> And of course, South Side rep in the house, Chicago, Dan Friend of Lewis University. Thanks for joining me again, gentlemen. As always, appreciate your time. And I know you're working hard and, and checking out the matches, but also managing your teams. So that's a good one. There. I, I'd like to rename Dan's place. I think this has a much better ring. Romeoville State University. <laughs> <laughs> for all the good looking people out there that end up right. in tragic relationships. <laughs> be awesome if they could play against Juliet State University. (laughs) Well, let's take a um, look at our last week's big matches and actually some of the teams that are making news right now. Number 15, Charleston of the EIBA chewing up the competition, took on Harvard twice on the 17th and 18th. Want to get your guys take on what's happened out there in West Virginia. Let's start with uh, we're going to end with Jay since it's his home conference, but let's start with Dan. Yeah, well, I think Gary Schnickner, uh, I mean, ultimately, he's one of their guys. And, uh, you know, I think it was it was going to be a good test. You know, ultimately, we'd seen Charleston be on a nice run. But correct me if I'm wrong, but they haven't lost a set yet, right? So, like, <laughs> along with being undefeated, that's a pretty impressive feat no matter who you're playing right now. And so, uh, you know, those guys are playing some really good volleyball. Uh, and so it's uh, exciting to see and exciting for that program. How about you, Brad? Thoughts on the uh, West Virginia? Yeah, I actually tuned in live to check it out. I was so intrigued with it and and wanted to see how it all played out. And uh, night one was a battle, right? And like night one, I mean, for the most part, Charleston was a little bit better. Um, but then night two, it was a totally different matchup. It was a beatdown. The second and third sets were like 11 and 10 points. Charleston in over 500 um Harvard was negative on the night it was just impressive to see and anytime you're able to dominate an opponent like that that's a testament of a really good team and a really efficient team so yeah I think uh Charleston um is turning more and more heads as this season's going on which is cool to see yep over to Theo of uh, Cal State Northridge yeah I think uh at the beginning of the year all coaches fans everybody was impressed and shocked to see where Charleston was right and I think a lot of the uh, conversation was well let's wait and see who when they play a team that's really talented right that Mm -hmm. was the the argument that was the the conversation and I can't I can't lie to say that I was thinking some of the same things um but they passed the eye test uh I had an opportunity to watch them play and this team can play and they can play at a really really high level and uh, you know, I think it's no, it's it's definitely past the point where we got to start, you know, thinking that this team is just capable of, uh, of beating, you know, easier or, or less skilled opponents. I think that this team is going to really shock the world. And obviously they're in the top 15 now. 
Um, I think the next test is coming up next week, right? When they face George Mason. And uh, it's going to be exciting uh, to see them. And can this team be a top 10 team? Can they be, you know, even lower than that? I think is kind of the question at this point. But they're a good team and obviously a force to be reckoned with. And looks like the, is it the Golden Eagles are coming to D.C. And that's Jay Hossick's house. So what's it, what's it like to uh, see this team rising up through the ranks and break the top 15 and undefeated without losing a set, Jay? Well, listen, I, I'll be honest with you. Years ago when we voted to bring Charleston in, uh, their AD said that they were going to support this program as absolute best they could. Uh, and at the time, they didn't have a very good gym. They didn't have a lot of scholarship money um, and they couldn't really recruit well. It was tough there. And since then, they've had a handful of coaches go through that program. Uh, and most recently, Mikey Indola was there and had since taken the job over at Ball State. And Luke Reynolds, uh, who was assisting with Mike a little bit in the last year or so, took over the program. And little known fact, the guy wasn't even paid last year until the end of the season. So, I mean, how's that for, you know, dedication to the program? I think the guys rallied around that. It's no surprise to anybody who's watched the progression of that team. Over the course of the years, that team was not very strong. It had one player here and there that were pretty good. And then about three or four years ago, they started getting a couple of foreign kids. And the next thing you know, they're getting more foreign kids. Uh, which is the way that smaller schools can do it. They can be successful in a hurry. And, and if you look at their roster, there's no shortage of guys from down under and guys from all over the pond. So um, that's a really, really good sign for that team in the future. Their, their uh, setter, Diego Villafane, uh, is now in his fifth year, I believe. And if it weren't for Cole Bogner, I think he'd be the best setter in the conference. He runs an absolutely efficient offense. Uh, he's crafty. He's got, he competes uh, to no end. Um, you know, he's not a tall guy, six, one, maybe at best, but he just runs really a really good offense. He's got a couple of guys um, uh, that he mentioned earlier. Dan mentioned, he's got Lachlan Bray. He's got a new guy from, uh, from overseas named Hoagie Bobble and Schnicker on the right side. Schnicker on the right side on night one had 18 kills hit five seventeen. Second night, uh, he hit uh, 438, had eight kills, and uh, Brad's right. The second night was a beatdown. Now, is Harvard the caliber of a, of a Northridge, of a Lewis, of a you know a Ball State? One could argue one way or the other on that. However, uh, they have us coming up a couple times, which we're not exactly lighting the world up right now, so we're a little bit beat up and young. But he's got. Ohio State, Loyola, and Purdue-Fort Wayne coming up in the weeks after. And I think that is where we're really going to be able to see how well this team stacks up against other teams nationally. And if they can go through that lineup and 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 beat, if not all those teams, just a few of those teams, a couple of those teams, you, you better put them in the conversation for doing some damage later on down the line because Penn State's going to have a run for their money with them. Yeah. You know, the uh, Garrett Schnicker hit, over 500 on the weekend he only had one total hitting error in those two matches which i thought was an insane stat line yep. so i mean i don't care who you're playing you're gonna have a few errors but to have one in two two full matches is insane so uh let's go to our next team number five grand canyon at usc times two and they brought it this weekend uh let's start with uh theo on this one 
Yeah, this uh, this was this was a good matchup. Um, obviously, two teams, and and uh, you know, I had an opportunity to watch night one. You know, one of the things that I find incredibly intriguing, um, Grand Canyon's libero, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Oh, uh, no. They're splitting. They they have two. They have a reception libero, and then they have a defensive. Um, but their defensive libero is bringing so much fire right now to the floor. Jordan um, Lucas. Jordan Lucas. Thank you, freshman. He is just an absolute pleasure to watch and brings an element to that team that I think goes undiscussed. And if you watch on Instagram, there's been tons of links of just what he's doing and the way he's playing. I mean, split blocks and all sorts of unorthodox moves that, you know, we're not necessarily coaching as coaches. And I would assume that Matt's not coaching it either, but this kid's got some instincts and, and bringing some fire. And obviously, uh, you know, it's working. This team is playing incredibly well and they've got a chemistry and, and, uh, and obviously it's leading to a ton of success. Uh, they're an exciting program to watch and watching them handle USC was pretty impressive. Um, I think they're definitely a force to be reckoned with. Let's jump over to Dan, who's a former guy is actually making a killing out there, Jackson Hickman, but thoughts on Grand Canyon and uh, the former best looking guy in the MIVA, Matt Worley's team. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I'm not surprised. I think we've talked about them every week and how good they are and how well they're just playing volleyball at a high level. Their offense efficiency at a fast uh, clip as well. Do you know what I mean? In terms of how they're pushing tempo. And I think Neil brought up a good thing with uh, Jordan Lucas and his energy and his vibe and how he's kind of, you know, making some pretty incredible plays, but just even when good plays are made, he just brings that level up of energy, which is pretty cool to see. And I always think that's the toughest thing. Can you sustain your energy level throughout an hour, an hour and a half? And when you got a guy like that helping out, it certainly uh, pushes it along a little bit. So, um, you know, top five team, no question. I think uh, they're going to continue to get tests as they get in the league play, and that'll be fun to watch them. But I think they're a team we'll continue to talk about towards the end as well. And they got a couple All-Americans on that team as well uh, as they move forward. So, yep. Jump over to Jay of George Mason. I'll be real honest with you. The thing that sticks out to me from this weekend is that none of their hitters really stuck out by having a fantastic night. Um, the first night Hickman led the team hitting 385. Now, granted, 385 is not bad, it's not what I'm saying, but nobody else really stood out. And then the second night, Janky led the team hitting 320 and having 13 kills, but then nobody else really stuck out. What's sticking out is the fact that that entire team is getting evenly distributed and they're all doing something at certain times in a match that's allowing them to win. Uh, and that's you know, when you have one go-to player every every good team has got at least one go-to player every great team has got two or three on the court that will stick out any given night this this team has got a few guys that can actually bring it without question but they're not doing it all the time against top teams they're just saying hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do my role and get a few kills get a few blocks but i'm not gonna stand out from the rest for whatever reason but they're still winning in grand canyon's good and uh they absolutely belong in the top five i I'd rank them even higher right now, but there's nowhere to go. You know, Hawaii, Hawaii has not shown us that they don't deserve to be number one. Penn State and, U, and UCLA have not shown us why they shouldn't be two and three. And Long Beach State's right there, too. So if, if you're just going to keep trading places with all those guys, you know, we got to see them play everybody. And they will down the line. But, yeah, they're they're legit. Grand Canyon's really good. Yep. Brad, your take. 
I think uh, the biggest thing for me was Gianni's back and he's back and he's playing, playing a lot more, but he's not quite in his old form. Um, he had negative, I don't know if it was night one or night two, I think night two, he had negative uh, night one, he had 29 attempts. Uh, so it looks like the load management or easing them back into it has gone away out in Arizona, um, which is cool to see. And being able to see adding him into that dynamic duo, Hickman and Janky is super impressive. And the piece, like offensively, he wasn't great, but serving-wise, he had three aces. Uh, one of the nights, he's got one of the best serves in the country. Um, and being able to add that into the lineup where Jonah Gilbert, who's been playing really, really well on that right side for him, um, his one weakness was his serve. And so being able to have Gianni in there for his serving alone, let alone what we know he can do offensively, is a huge upgrade for him. And then I agree with Theo. Jordan Lucas has been playing great. And another freshman that's in there, Cameron Thorne um, from Florida, he had 11 kills on 14 attempts, which is pretty darn good. And he's in there for a redshirt senior, Colin Lovejoy, who, like we talked a little bit, a little bit with some other teams on some injuries. Yeah, I think he's got a broken thumb or broken hand. And um, just seeing a freshman in both those spots be able to step up um, speaks to the volume of coaching um, and the level of play they have in that gym. Yeah, you know that I totally overlooked that stat line. 11 kills, 14 attempts, hitting 786 while dealing out an ace, a solo, three and block assists as a freshman middle. Amazing. So, uh, wow. <laughs> and, I, you know, Ron, I got to add, Jay made a fantastic point about the variance of guys standing out from one night to the next and the ability. And, you know, I think I remember Brad a couple of weeks ago talked about UCLA and when they handled Long Beach. Um, Ito was insane night one, and then they had a completely different guy dominate in night two. And if you look at what makes the top five teams, that's it. And Jay hit it on the head. These top five teams have the ability to dominate you in multiple positions. Um, and every single night, the stat sheets look different. And that's a that's a huge powerhouse team uh, if you have the ability to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just looked up his profiling, though. He's a 6'4 freshman middle blocker from Hollywood, Florida. So a little uh, undersized, quote unquote, middle, but he's dominating. I love seeing that. So uh, jump to our next team, number 13, Loyola, torch in the top versus number 11, Ball State. They've had some big wins this year, but uh, this is Dan's conference. So we're going to save him for last. But man, Coach John Hawks jumping in really quick here in Miva play and being really successful. Uh, let's start with Jay. Well, you know, anytime you get a new coach, you know, it obviously can go one of a couple different directions. And, and, you know, historically, from my perspective, when I came here to Mesa, we did some pretty cool things in my first year. And, you know, Hawks is doing relatively the same thing. He's coming in, he's implementing new systems. He's got guys, you know, running at a high clip. And, you know, he's he's just injecting uh, an era of winning, right? That, that's That's what they do. They go out, they compete hard. And let the chips fall where they may. And they're seeing some success from that. I think, again, when you look at their lineup against Ball State, they hit a pedestrian 337 as a team. Nobody stood out. And then the second night, Schlotthauer had a great night. I had 12 kills at 429, but he was the only guy that stood out with those numbers. And those are not, you know, you're not lighting the world up with just 12 kills, but he's doing it with guys across the board. And Loyola uh, has got some big weapons. 
And you're not hearing all those names get the amount of kills every single night. It's one guy or another guy or another guy. And, you know, Theo just mentioned it. It's like when, when you got, when you've got one guy, everybody in the gym, everybody who you play knows who that one guy is. That's the guy we got to slow down. You got to slow that guy down. And if you could do that, then you got a shot. But when you look at one guy and you go, all right, we're going to slow that guy down. But then two or three other guys are over here are the ones that are killing you. At the end of the night, you're like, well, what do we do? You know, you, you got three-headed monsters that are all over the place. And uh, and he's doing a great job. So hats off to Hawks. Um, he's going to be a handful down the line. And uh, the Miva, I still say to this day, is the most wide-open conference. But they're starting to separate themselves from everybody else's being just a little bit better right now. Right now. Hey, you're on mute, Rob. You're on mute. Right. Yeah, that's the uh, the former IT director there working the uh, video <laughs> there. So <laughs> let's jump you can get a better degree there. Yeah, let's jump over to Theo and thoughts on what's happening with the Ramblers. Sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're playing some impressive ball. Um, those were two really, really great wins, and you know, I think the one over Ball State was the one that definitely stood out to me. Um, obviously, that's that's saying a lot considering that I think they believe they swept Ohio State. Um, but, uh, Caleb Jeunesse had 21 kills, uh, and Loyola was able to outstand them. And, you know, Parker Van Buren with, uh, with 12 kills, two aces, six digs and, and a block assist. Um, he played great six, nine, the guy hits the ball really hard. I mean, there were a couple of, there were a couple of times he got blocked. And I mean, just the, the sound that the ball was making when he's getting blocked is like. I know those blockers are like, damn, he hits the ball hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for for John Hawks and his staff with Ali'i. Um, you know, they're doing some really, really special things over there, and they're playing some great volleyball. I love how you're dropping the Cal State Northridge alum, Ali'i Keohohu. The favorite name I used to, to. say announcing. <laughs> Absolutely. Have. That might be why they're winning, actually. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised I'm surprised Rob's not dropping the uh, the UC Irvine Kevorkian reference. I mean, well, because he's on staff at Pepperdine, and you know they they, they beat us a couple times last year. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Brad? Thoughts on Loyola? Yeah, I mean Loyola for me, they're like like you guys already mentioned, they're they're showing some balance, and out of the middle, I think both their middles, Minart and Meyer, seven kills both no errors, super efficient, super clean, um, which is obviously a testament to their setter, Dan Mangum. And I think an underrated quality for Parker Van Buren, um, he's highly touted. He's been playing great, but his serve is really impressive. Um, and he's scoring a lot of points back there and they're in runs. So he's, they're going to be a handful and they're going to be around for a while. And I think most of that crew, apart from Schlottdauer, um, is coming back next year as well. So um, definitely going to be a crew in the, in the Miva to, to watch in the future with Hawks. All right. Here's a guy who has eyes right on the team, real close by Dan friend of Lewis thoughts on what Hawks is doing at Loyola. Well, I, I think it goes a little bit like what Jay said, like, and it was kind of what the donut effect was last year at Ball State, you know, Hawks is a talented coach. He comes in, he's got a talented group and uh, I'm not surprised at all. I, they kind of were my league pick between them and Ohio State. So uh, I was a little disappointed in Ohio State, how they played at Loyola. Um, uh, I think I watched that film already, and uh, they kind of broke down on floats or received some. 
not not to mention they already bring pace with some guys with their arms, but even their float receipt broke down. So I thought, and Loyola played really well. I mean, spread their offense, did some nice things, but I've seen Ohio State play better as being somebody that played them at their place. And so uh, mm-hmm. it was probably one of those matches where they didn't play as well and Loyola stepped it up. And the Ball State match, I think it's good to see Caleb uh, back to, you know, doing some stuff with them. But I, I still think Loyola is a little notch above everybody else right now. You know, ultimately, we get them Wednesday. And it's the great thing about volleyball is anybody can win at any time. Do you know what I mean? But uh, I, I do think they're the front runners. Uh, in terms of where they're playing at currently right now, the pieces they have and what John and his staff are doing right now. So, and I, Dan Magnum, I think certainly if you don't know who he is, he's pretty talented and he serves the heck out of the ball. Uh, And so he's running that team pretty well and uh, is probably one of those guys that's a little bit under the radar for setters in the country, but I think he's in that mix of one of the top setters for sure. So, yeah. All right. Topic at number four. Number three, Penn State on fire. They hosted Princeton twice this last week, and they're doing it a few different ways. You'd think you'd be seeing Wildman. You'd be seeing, you know, was it a Kerr? But now it's you're seeing Ezeonu. You're seeing Michal Koval. Uh, let's start with Brad on this one, on his take on the Nittany Lions. Yeah, like you said, this is a different guy every night. And, you know, I expected Wildman and Fisher to just be – running the show and kind of dominated and it hasn't been that way especially the stat lines for Wildman were not super impressive or didn't jump off the page if you're just looking at the paper and then you see the impact he's making from the service line and as a passer and as a defender um, and I think night one the story was aces Penn State had 13 aces Princeton had four aces both had a fair amount of service errors um, but being able to score 13 points from the end line is is a huge advantage so starting off right there and Wildman's leading the way there where I think he hit, yeah, he hit zero, but he had four aces. So pretty massive impact to have as a left side, be able to contribute that um, and just add value, even if you're not terminating or killing the ball too much. Um, yeah. So that's always impressive. And then night two is Penn State was a lot more efficient. You know, Bogner got back to running a good clean offense and they blocked the heck out of the ball. Um, I don't know exactly how many blocks, but they, uh, they dominated Princeton um, at the net with their block. Yeah. Go over to Dan. <clears throat> yeah, well, again, we said it earlier, top five teams have several pieces. And so I think uh, Cobalt's been playing quite a bit. So there's no surprise you see him in the lineup at any given time because he was playing when Wildman was out. Uh, and so, but top five teams showing their strength in terms of moving some pieces and playing. I, they serve, they're probably, to me, certainly a top five serving team as well. Like watching them live, move the ball at different paces, uh, things like that, they're, they're, they're pretty tough to handle behind there. So I think when you got your team as a collective group, we talk about UCLA can bring it. We talk about Grand Canyon's got some guys that can bring it. Penn State's in that mix that can bring it. Hawaii's in that mix. So the better teams have that depth of serving as well. So, yeah. Theo? Yeah, I mean, Penn State's on fire. Is I mean, was there a point when they weren't on fire? <laughs> Uh, they're 11 to one and there's a reason, I mean, this team is the real deal. And, you know, I correct me if I'm wrong. I think Princeton was able to steal the tournament from them last year. Is that right? And so I think these Penn state guys had a little bit of a vendetta and, uh, wanted to get back at them. And they obviously did, uh, Cole Bogner. I I think 
you know, a lot of uh, a lot of credit is always given to setters, uh, you know, when you have one guy who dominates. Um, I think it's a lot more difficult for a setter to set guys that maybe haven't been great of late and find ways to make them successful. And I think Cole has done a fantastic job of that and uh, in running their offense and obviously serving the ball pretty well. And Toby is doing a fantastic job up there and uh, his offense and obviously his defense and blocking. I mean, this team is this team is electric. They can play some really, really high level volleyball. And, uh, you know, there's no shock there. I think that this fire is going to continue to grow. And really, it's just a matter of can they can they not get caught and and find themselves not expecting a, a team to be good and uh, continue to play at a high level. That's that's really what it comes down to for them. They made that mistake last year and fumbled in the tournament and uh, things didn't go their way. But I think. Uh, they're poised to uh, to make a run this season, and uh, Jay Jay for sure is looking at them and making sure that he's uh, prepping well for when he plays Penn State. I'm sure Jay is really stoked to have two hot teams in his conference. So <laughs> let, let let's get his take. <laughs> uh, I mean, I obviously I worked at Penn State for a number of years, and I came in in the fall of 2009 uh, after that 2008 run. And this team reminds me a lot of 2008. You got a, a, a elderman, elder statesman as a setter. You know, Luke Murray was the guy in 2008. You got Cole Bogner now. I think they're both really solid setters. You got one stud outside hitter. You had Matt Anderson back in the day. And now you have Brett Wildman. And listen, Brett's not 6'10", but he does play like he's 6'10 at times. He's huge. You got an opposite who is maybe smaller, lefty, crafty, you know, you got uh, Fish, uh, Fisher this year who's just lighting people up. Uh, and then you got a middle blocker, uh, Toby, this year who compares, I think, to Max Holt back then. Uh, you got another middle name, Owen Rose, who's a little bit more like J.R. Lipsitz. And you got a freshman libero. Back then it was Dennis Del Valle. Now, uh, forget the kid's name. I apologize. But Merck, I mean, Ryan Merck. Ryan Merck. And that kid's legit. That's a team that is stacked top to bottom. And then you've got two, three, or four other guys that are on the bench that are just chomping at the bit. You know, Kerr is one of them that we talked about. And and uh, Cole, he's a lot like Jay Stoffer back in the day. Jay Stoffer wasn't the biggest arm. He wasn't bringing the most heat, but he kept him in system. And that's why he was on the court in 2008. And, you know, that's the level of play that we're going to see then. And I think it's very comparable now. Um, if you don't see Penn State in the semifinals, I'd be extremely surprised unless they run into somebody, you know, if they run into a team that it just gets hot at the right moment in the, in the tournament, but uh, they are legit good. Uh, they have a chance to run the table uh, and they could be national champions. They're that good. Yeah. Good stuff. Next one, number eight, BYU, number two, UCLA twice. And it's the new look Bruins week two with uh, Andrew Rowan and setter, but super impressive. I'd love to get your guys take on it because yeah, you're seeing what I'm seeing too. And it's pretty insane. Insane. Let's start with Dan. I think it'll probably make it better. We all know that. You know what I mean? So I think uh, Rowan, I wasn't on the combo last week. If you guys talked about it, but he's the guy, he's the setter. He's extremely talented. Uh, and it just smooths some things out in terms of what's going on with that position from that standpoint. And then Ito had two really good nights uh, as well uh, for them. And so, you know, I think, again, it's a, a reoccurring theme, you know, that the best teams in terms of the level they're playing and where they're at, you know what I mean? And so, and uh, lots of different pieces 
that can step in. But Ito had a great play and Rowan as well. So, yep. How about you, Jay? All tongue in cheek uh, uh, with this comment. Miles, who? <laughs> I mean, uh, no offense to Miles. Obviously, a great player. Obviously, he's got a bright future. But all you complaints to Jay Hossick at gmail.com, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send all hate mail to Rob. No, I mean, listen, I, I understand it's it's the topic of conversation last week, yeah. but UCLA just showed they don't, they're not dropping anything. They're not missing a beat. They're going right at it like they always have. Um, and sometimes, um, you know, when you don't have uh, somebody in the gym that might be a little bit uh, irritated that they're not getting the time that they need, and then all of a sudden that is not part of the mix, it makes things a little bit easier for everybody else to know their role. Uh, and that uh, sometimes can be a positive, but Listen, Miles Partin's got a bright future. He's a good kid, good family, good uh, good volleyball player. He'll be fine. So will UCLA. Unless he gets injured. Unless Rowan gets injured. And then all bets are off. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. And this is more from the fan standpoint. But first two first-year player playing a long season and running probably one of the best teams in the nation. Do you think that'll have any effect on his performance down the line here as you get closer? Well, actually they just started conference play, but as you get towards tail end of April, we'll say beginning of May. No. Uh, I, I think it could, but I don't know. I don't know him as a player. Like there's some players you would ask me that question. And if I coach them and I know their mental state, I can give you that answer. But outside looking in, I, I don't have any idea. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's some kids that will handle it just fine and be great. And I think there's other kids that uh, that could get to them a little bit if they get off tilted. But my question, you guys might know this answer, is who's the current backup right now? Derrick Garcia. Okay. So if, if I don't know him. Is he good? Not He's good? a former Jay guy. He played for Jay and transferred to UCLA. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you just trying to shake salt in the wound on Jay or what's going on? <laughs> no, I wasn't here last week. So I have no – come on, man. Hickman's – crushing it do you think who's throwing salt where buddy do you know what I mean? <laughs> like really you know what i mean so like <laughs> in landon krause was on my team last year he was nai play of the year last year we, we can throw salt you know what i mean <laughs> come on i was just asking i was curious yeah, you know? no. I, think that, I think that plays into it a little bit yeah. you got a good backup and he's off for one night and that guy steps in and even if he's not as good can run the show then it eases some pressure off it you know what i mean and so yeah I got to feel like they have a libero that could just step in and set that level too. I don't know. Dude. <laughs> That's <okay. laughs> Let's go over to Theo on the, uh, his fellow LA team. Sure. I, you know, I, I think we're all, we're all thinking it and it, we're starting to say it right. The longer that they go without miles, the more we're going to get some clarity on what this team looks like. And um, you know, I think there's two, there's two sides to this. And one is obviously, you know, John was going back and forth between the two guys in the lineup and, as we all know as coaches and in men's volleyball and volleyball in general, chemistry is a big deal, right? And I think that sometimes when you're just able to lock in on a setter, you really can find the rhythm and you can find the cadence and the hitters can really align with the setter. And the setter has a real good feel about where those guys are going to be. And it showed from night one to night two against BYU. And we know BYU is one of the top blocking teams, or at least has been this year. Um, and for, for night one, yeah, I think that he had Rowan had both his his pin hitters hitting like close to 300 between Ito and Champlin, and then in night two, both those guys were over 500. Um, I think Ito hit 581. Is that right? On um, yeah, 581 in on night two with 21 kills. Ethan Champlin hit 500 with nine kills. I mean, 
he's running a really great offense. And I think that the longer that these guys can play together and, and the more cohesion that they create, it's possible, like Jay said, that losing a guy like Miles is really a benefit to this team. Um, and that at the long run, they end up getting better. There will always be the question of, you know, obviously he doesn't have the experience. And so when we get down the stretch, will there be some issues? There might be, there absolutely might be. But I think that if I'm guessing this UCLA staff is banking on the fact that if he gets the reps and he gets the experience, you know, the next four years is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Great take. And then let's close it out with Brad of UC San Diego. Okay. Before we get to, so like watching Jay do the salt bay, we got the new nickname for Jay is salt Jay. And I could just envision him after the NCAA championship in Mason, just sneaking onto the court and getting some <laughs> social media. <laughs> uh, no, all green, just going around. <laughs> Are you feeling the love yet? <laughs> uh, and then for UCLA, I mean, they hit over 430 both nights. Rowan's good. And to answer your question, Rob, I, you know, with, Andrew Rowan being from OCBC um, and being around club in Orange County for so long, um, seeing him, I don't think he ever came off the court for club tournaments, maybe a little bit his senior year, um, which is not the same thing at all. Uh, but he is very squared away. He's very dialed in. And this has been what he's been working for and focused on, whether it's been through his summer within the USA gym towards everything he's done as a youth player. He, if there's a freshman that you're going to trust in these moments or in these opportunities, I think he's one of them. And even you saw it in the Long Beach State match. He's going back to the service line at the end of set four, I think it was, to close it out with some 65-plus mile-per-hour bombs, um, facing a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. So um, the one piece to watch is I thought Partain was really good setting Merrick McHenry, who's one of the best, most dynamic middle attackers in the country. And – They've obviously had a lot of time together. So Rowan being able to get comfortable setting Merrick McHenry consistently, which there's nights where it's really good. There's nights where it's not as good. Um, that's going to be one piece because I think that's kind of the X factor for UCLA is if they can have that consistent Merrick factor going and him just hitting at 12 plus or wherever he's at over the block and deep to the end line. Yeah. Well, with that, there's only one other team that's in the uh, top five that we haven't touched on. It's Hawaii, and they hosted CUI. I've got it correct this year, this week, I believe, uh, twice. But they did it in a very unique way without Jakob Tella, their All-American center. But if you guys got to see the matches, which I know is really late for you East Coasters, Central Timers, uh, it was late for the West Coasters too, but they looked like they didn't skip a beat from what I could see and their stat lines on, you know, each night look like it too, but want to get your take and let's start with Dan on it. <clears throat> Who's that? The other setter that could have been playing that played when they went out East. Sheward. Buchanan. Buchanan. Oh. My curiosity, my curiosity and Sheward was great. We know Sheward can run the team and we see that where they didn't, just like you said, Rob said, didn't skip the beat. You know what I mean? But I, I wondered where Buchanan was. Does anybody know? No reports. Yeah. So it's just interesting. I think, you know, he went on that East Coast trip and set and they got some wins there. And then Sheward kind of steps in that role. So I'm wondering kind of where that turn was from that, considering I thought Buchanan would be the next guy to take over, take over for uh, that team in terms of that. So I, 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 I throw a question in there to the group in terms of that, you know, more of it. I think we know Hawaii is incredibly talented. Um, 
And I'm not surprised or sure running the offense at the clip they did. And I think Dimitri on the first night was 20. I don't have it in front of me right now. So, uh, but he was really, really good. You know what I mean? In terms of that. And so, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, let's jump over to Jay. I'm going to look up the stat lines here for the uh, night one. Any good coach will tell you after you win a national championship, the second best team in any, uh, in any sport is the B side that pushes the A side. Um, and Hawaii, uh, suffice to say, is deep and has a bench that is uh, just as good as their starters. They're pushing them every single week in practice. It makes no surprise to me that without their starting center, Jakob Tella, that the next guy would step in and just keep the ball rolling. Uh, and so for those of you that thought maybe they would have downshifted a little bit and maybe it had a couple of weaknesses they could exploit, you just found out firsthand that's not the case. So. Yeah, Hawaii's good. We're, we're going to see them probably down the line somewhere, um, you know, potentially playing for a championship of some sort. So, yeah. So the stat line that caught my eye with the uh, Brett Schuer, their setter on night two, 55 assists and set them to a 402 team hitting percentage. And that was a four set match. So uh, that means he was feeding the right guys and knew who That's was almost 13 sets a match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's he was the player of the night for the uh, NCAA MVB player of the night that night. So let's go over to uh, Theo, who's going to be really familiar with Hawaii in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, what? I mean, this te- <laughs> more salt, more salt. Uh, this team is in, is incredibly dynamic. And, you know, I think you see this offense be this good um, without who, without Jacob, who I think is, you know, arguably the best setter in the country. Uh, on the number one team and obviously a champion himself uh, to have Sheward step in and, you know, night one, 55 assists and, you know, Spiros is right in rhythm. He's 424 is kind of the same numbers that he's been hitting uh, on good nights. And um, he did it both times in both night one and night two Spiros was over 400. Uh, I mean, this is just a testament kind of like Jay said, I mean, you, they've got some real talent and some real depth on this team. And the fact that they can, bring in a second setter and still play at this level uh, and still handle a team who CUI is an incredibly scrappy team and, and can be a very dangerous team if you take them lightly, right? We saw it when Loyola came out West and, um, you know, ended up losing to them. And so this was a testament to why Hawaii is number one and uh, they're, they're a fantastic team. And obviously they'll be in the mix down the stretch. They call them close it out with another, team that's going to be seeing Hawaii a couple times in the next few weeks. Uh, Brad Rostron of UC San Diego. Yeah, we're headed up to Irvine to play Concordia tomorrow. So we got to watch a, a lot of these Hawaii matches really closely and, and get ready this weekend and prepare for that, you know, and especially that night, I think it was night two, it might've been night one where it went four sets, you know, Concordia played really well. Uriel Batista is a, is a tank on the right side and he gets a ton of swings for him and he, he does a really good job terminating. And I think the biggest difference we see from San Shu, um, Orange County, Newport guy, um, go from libero to setter, you know, you see it with the serving. Tele's serving is one of the best serves in the country. And you see it at the net blocking wise. And those are the two main areas. But offensively, they didn't skip a beat with Shu and he had 10 plus assists every single set. Um, so he's a hell of a volleyball player and a great kid and just like, his story and his path from setter to libero back to setter now um, is a story you can't help but root for and pull for. Um, so it's fun to see him get to be out there showcasing that 
um, this past weekend. Great call. We're going a little long here, but I'm going to do a quick uh, overview of conference standings. Conference Carolina, North Greenville in first, four and one with Lees McRae right behind three and one. EIVA, Charleston and Penn State undefeated at 2-0. Independent, uh, Lincoln Memorial at 3-0. Miva, sorry, Dan, 4-0 for Loyola. But man, what's coming up behind there? It's going to be tight in your conference and not an easy night. Easy night for you coming up in the next few weeks, Dan, because you got Ohio State Linwood three and one, then with four teams, three teams tied at two and two, including your team and Ball State of all teams, uh, also in the two and two uh, window there. The MPSF, Grand Canyon 13 and 0, but also two and 0 in conference, leading with UCLA. Damon is three and 0 after their late win yesterday against Sacred Heart. Um, LIU's 2 0, and then Still waiting for the SIAC and the Big West to start. Us lazy slackers here in the West Coast just can't seem to start early enough. So, um, you know, still early on, but a lot can happen. And then, as we all know, tournament is what, what determines everything. So, but it, it, it'll get tight without a doubt here in the next few weeks. So with that, I wanted to jump to what you guys are watching in week eight. And as I was saying before we jumped on, there are a lot of matches, period. But, I mean, how do you watch them? I don't know. Lots of streaming. That's another topic that Jay brought up. We, we may bring that up later about the quality of streamings and misinformation. So uh, let's start with uh, with Jay, what you're watching in week eight of NCAA men's volleyball. Well, I'll let uh, I'll leave some of the other ones for other guys on here to use. But here are the three that I'm watching. Grand Canyon versus Pepperdine. Uh, two really good teams. We're going to really see what Grand Canyon can do against another really good program. Pepperdine. Jalen Jasper on the right side is just annihilating people. And so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they, how they do against them. I'm going to be watching the wicked smart guys, a Harvard playing against Princeton. Uh, that is a, uh, a grudge match for the ages of all time. Any kind of um, any kind of rivalry you got like Duke, North Carolina, Stanford, Cal, UCLA, USC, this is on par with those. If you think there's any love loss between these teams, you're losing your mind. It's a heck of a match to watch. And there's a lot of chatter through the net. Last one I'm going to be watching is obviously Charleston's coming our place for a couple of times. So I want to, I want to see what my guys can do and see if we can slow them down, maybe get a set or two off them and uh, who knows what else, but yeah, Charleston's going to be fun to watch. I got a long week of scouting and a long week of training and we're going to try to give them, give them our best. That's what I'm watching. So you captain America against team Aussie. That's going to be a good one to watch over there. And <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Jalen Jasper, you'd mentioned Pepperdine, second in the nation in kills per set at 4.94. And that is one kid that's got a cannon on it hanging off his shoulder. So it doesn't hurt when you touch 14 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over to Theo. What you watching in week eight? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the first one would be UCLA and Irvine. Um, I think that's going to be some exciting volleyball. I think if there's any team that has maybe a shot at uh, putting a little pressure on UCLA, I think Irvine's got a shot with Sandy, and um, I think that should be a fun one. Uh, I think the next one is the Battle of Chicago, right? Lewis versus Loyola, right? Jay hit on it. Anytime you have some real crosstown rivalry, it's exciting. And I think every year that is a rivalry that never disappoints for men's volleyball. Super, super exciting stuff. Looking forward to see those guys go at it. And then Charleston, George Mason. Um, I think the streak of not dropping a set, it ends this week. I think George Mason takes a set off of Charleston. You heard it here first. 
For just a set, right? Hey, they might win it, but they're taking the <laughs> set. You heard it here first. That was it for the bold prediction? No, you couldn't go, you didn't want to go further. <laughs> How about you, Brad? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's Ball State Lindenwood. I think the battle right there in the middle of the Miva is, is going to be super intriguing. And Lindenwood's, um, you know, we talked about, I think, Schuler and A.J. Lewis are some really dynamic pins, and their middles have had a ton of success as well. So I think that's going to be a great matchup with Lindenwood's success and with Ball State not being the Ball State of last season um, and seeing how they respond through that. And then um, I think UCLA, UCI, I actually came across an alumni last night from Irvine, and it said they're doing a little 10-year anniversary of the national championship team. So I think that's going to add a, a little extra flair to that UCI-UCLA matchup, um, which will be exciting to watch. Yep. Great call. Dan, what are you watching besides your own match against uh, your, your fellow Illinois-Chicago team? Well, uh, I'm pretty sure Theo and Brad play each other, don't they? That's the CVW Bowl head-to-head yeah, yeah, yeah. showdown. So think, uh, as we talk about me and Jay, and then, you know, we get to see these two play. So we'll see if you both show up next week, just so you know, in terms of uh, <laughs> the podcast, you know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, I think that'll be a a great match in terms of that. And so I think that Lindenwood won. Ultimately, we just played him and dropped a tough one in five, but uh, they went, took Loyola to five and had them beat at home and Loyola escaped out of there. So I think is Lindenwood, can they, can they sustain this volume as they continue to move forward? They certainly have the pieces. I was impressed with some of the things they were doing uh, and they're going to play both Ohio state and ball state. Uh, so an opportunity to make a, a real jump in conference, which is something they've never done before. And so they're, they're sitting in the driver's seat of that to, to kind of make an impact there. And so that'll be uh, an intriguing matchup. Um, of course, I think Jay's going to beat Charleston. How about that? I'll take your bold prediction and add it. So no pressure, buddy. You know what I mean? In terms so of Luke's going to be sending you hate messages through DM. Send it on, text. Luke. You can't beat me up, buddy. I know you're bigger than me, but send it on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at a, a small plug for Wednesday's match for me, um, certainly it's always a big rivalry match, and, uh, but we are doing our premium night. So the Ray Strong Foundation, uh, raystrong.org, R-A-E, um, we're having that game that night, and the, the money we raise that night is going to Lily's List, which is a, another premium organization that we're helping out. And so I uh, don't have to be there to donate or be a part of it. So that's my, my plug uh, in terms of the match and everything. And so, yeah. So if you buy tickets to that match, that goes towards the Ray Strong Foundation? No, you just have to give donations. The tickets are separate. You know what I mean? We just, it, we we create such foot traffic that day with the match. Like we'll get a thousand plus. And so that just, uh, it creates awareness and volume and things like that in terms of that. So, so I know that I would have worn my purple and white scarf that you handed to me in Austin on the uh, podcast. Uh, it's okay. You can wear it on Wednesday in lieu of that. You know what I mean? So it's all right. <laughs> have I wear it on Friday night for the UCI UCLA broadcast? That would be awesome. Then you can do a small <laughs> plug for me. That would be great. <laughs> I'll drop that one for sure. But yeah, I'm going to drop a match to watch here. And then the reason why is because not only are you in it, Dan, but one of the hottest hitters in the nation is actually come in your house from uh, Purdue Fort Wayne. John Dietrich, 10th in the nation or eighth in the nation. Yeah. At 4.18 kills per set in some yeah. losses. He's had 25 plus kills. And he's been their main offensive force. I mean, your guys are big, but I like seeing a big hitter come up against big blocks and see what happens. So, uh, yeah, we go to their, we actually go to their place. It's like a split week. We're home Wednesday and away on Friday. So, uh, so that'll be a big one. 
Well, a lot of volume watching. I'm going to throw this in there one just because it'll be a, a quick around the horn type deal. But pick your players of the week. Let's start with Theo Edwards of Cal State Northridge. Oh, I think I got to go with Andrew Rowan. Um, you know, I think there's 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 a lot of moments in your volleyball career where there's a lot of chatter. And I think at a school like UCLA, um, having Miles step down, I think it says a lot to a kid to really step in and, and settle in and start playing well. And uh, I think the way he played was fantastic. He got better from match to match, and he'd be the player of the week for me. Yep. Jay Hossick, George Mason, your player of the week. Paul Bogner, Penn State setter. Kid is an uber competitor. Love watching him play. Does the trend continue with Brad Roster with a love for setters? Who's your player of the week? I could go that way and go <laughs> shout out Brett Stewart, but I'll give him a little subtle shout out there. Um, but I'm going to go Ido David. Um, the other side of it, five plus kills each uh, each set he played against BYU this week, 30 plus kills on the week uh, and pretty damn efficient with it as well. And then a Dan friend of Lewis. I am going Dan Magnum from Loyola. Two big wins for them in conference and 40 plus assists one night, 37 the other. So, yeah. Oh, uh, it's the week of setters. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you. I love that, Dan. I love that. <laughs> Pop them up, baby. Pop them up. <laughs> Dan, Dan's getting into the head. This is a psychological component of the game. <laughs> hey, guys, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, be sure to follow all these guys' programs and NCAA men's volleyball. Show your support in the most passive of ways, which is just go to their websites, following them on social. Gosh, send them a message or two, or even talk some hate on Volley Talk if you want. I mean, Jay likes doing that. So, you know, uh, always a good time here on the podcast. Looking forward to great action in week eight. Gentlemen, good luck. And uh, be sure to raystrongfoundation.org or is it raystrong.org? Just raystrong.org. We want to support that cause. It's a wonderful cause and uh, uh, one of the good guys on the screen here. Guys, have a great week. Thank you again. Thanks, good luck, everybody. everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Good luck, everyone, but Theo. <laughs> <laughs> That is the clip of the week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter. <laughs>